Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Beauty School Dropout Podcast, a skeptical and irreverent take on skincare, makeup, and the whole industry by two beauty outsiders. That's me, Sam. And me, Ali. We're bringing you fresh fortnightly content, looking at the science behind the stuff you put on your face, beauty myths and gimmicks, and all the shit that goes down in a multi-billion dollar industry. If you're listening to us already, you've found us. Subscribe to get notified when our next episode drops. If you want to get even closer, you can follow us on Instagram at Beauty School Dropout Pod. On this episode of Beauty School Dropout, we talked to Tomboy Beauty's HBIC Chloe Brinkler about how she turned a magazine internship into her own beauty business. We get down to it on SPF in makeup and we recommend shitloads of products that we swear by. Stay with us. So we've been shooting the shit makeup wise for a while now with you guys and we thought we'd get down to it and discuss our skin concerns and the products we actually swear by to counter said concerns. Ali, would you like to take it away? Okay. So one thing you don't know about me from hearing me talk is that my main skin concern is redness. So I have like mild rosacea, so not the texture so much, but just the colour and a lot of, you know, broken capillaries in my face because I like to put my face under hot water, even though everyone tells me not to do that. Um, so redness is probably my main concern. And what I've used in the past to cover that up was this um, Bare Minerals primer that they used to have. Okay. Um, it was called like Primetime or something like that. And I just went to look it up for this segment and they discontinued it. It's like a vendetta. Anytime I really get down with the product, they're like, no, you can't have that anymore. Every single thing I love is discontinued. <laughs> Everything in this world, if I love it, it's like, no. Love it, discontinued. <laughs> you should get a shirt that says that. That'll be merch. So you can't use that primer anymore? Are you no, out? I have it, but like I can't buy it again. So I'm on the hunt for a good primer. So if you know of one. And do you need it to be anti-redness? Yeah, that'd be that'd be preferable. That'd be ideal. Because you like I, I like wearing like blush and highlighter and that kind of stuff, but I feel like if I'm just putting it over stuff that's already red, it just goes into a weird colour. <laughs> like you don't need it. What's red all over? <laughs> Allie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What about you? Um, for me, I look, I've got pores like a motherfucker. Like don't I, all. Yeah, I no I feel I don't wanna make out like I'm special, but I have <laughs> some fucked up pores. And the biggest issue I have and one of my biggest insecurities is my blackheads on my my nose yep. and they they big. Uh, so my biggest thing for that is to try and kind of counteract that texture from the pores and to try and blur it a little bit. So for me, primers are a really big part of my routine because I, I literally have to 
focus on that area. So I use the Tarcha silk canvas. I've used the putty and I've also used the liquid. Yeah. At the moment, I'm finding liquid a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good all over, like, but I will tend to focus it more on my nose and, like, I don't know, inner nose, cheek sitch, <laughs> whatever that is, um, because I really, honestly, not only does my makeup hang on better in that area, but also, like, it makes me feel like a less gross human. Um, but I'm also, I'm a combo, so I'm dry as well. So I'll probably get a more hydrating primer for the rest of my face. So, and I'll mix that in with a highlighter as well because I want to be glowy, but I can't be too highlighted because then my pores will come back. <laughs> it's almost like when you have a primer, you have to use it as spack filler. Like, do you know that? Totally. <laughs> that Smashbox one and it gets like fully into your pores and it's almost like you're repairing a wall. I need that though. Maybe that's a good recommendation for me. I mean, I change primers all the time. It's the one thing I'm like always hunting and playing with. And yep, right now, Tarcha Silk Canvas, um, the Dominique Cosmetics JD Weighty Ultra Hydrating Primer is amazing. It smells like a thousand cucumbers. Uh, and because I need to be a glowy queen, I'll uh, mix in a highlighter with that one as well. Um, but going back to texture, like my foundation, I've got to be super careful. I tried to buy the uh, Anastasia Beverly Hills Luminous Glow Foundation because mm-hmm. it was on special the other day. Oh, shit. Like I look disgusting. Like It's on special for a reason. Yeah, I'm learning that, but everyone's like banging on about it. And like it made me look fucked up. <laughs> like I know that Sephora lighting is like 3 a.m. 7-11 lighting. Yeah. I get that. But like, fuck me, I look terrible. So I actually have to go a little bit more on the matte side. Mm-hmm. So um, the foundation I swear by for that is the Charlotte Tilbury Airbrush Flawless Foundation. Yeah. I look like an airbrush bitch. I love it. So with all of those things combined... Good setting powder. Um, I think I can kind of combat that. You got a good face. Under all that product, yes, eventually I have a good face. But what do you swear by with your base? So do you remember when we went and did the photo shoot for the podcast? I believe I was there. (laughs) I took all my makeup. I had like an entire bag full of makeup. There was so much. But the one thing I forgot was my foundation which is like the dumbest shit. That was some dumb bitch juice. Imagine going to a photo shoot and forgetting your foundation. So we had to run to Kemmer's Warehouse at Bondi and luckily they had all the Maybelline stuff was half price. So I picked up some of that, um, the Fit Me Matt and Paula's foundation. I love it. It's now replaced my double wear as my main foundation. That's huge, dude. Like You've been pretty dedicated to double wear. I know, I have. And then I got this... Maybelline foundation for $10.97. Shit. And the other day I went out, I think I went out, like I did my makeup at about 11 and then I went to lunch and then I came back and I went out for drinks and all I had to do in between was just powder my face. That's pretty good. Like, I mean, yeah, I tend to, I mean, even the best foundations for me, like they'd be slipping. Yeah, eventually. (laughs) And it's, it's not that matte. Like I find it's got a little bit of dewiness in it, which I like. So is there anything specific? use for the old peepers? Oh, the old peepers. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm one of those people who's blessed with oily eyelids. How lovely. Yeah, it's the best because you put eyeshadow straight on it and it's like, nope, slip off. Bye. Yeah, <laughs> see you later. But the Urban Decay Primer Potion absolutely fixes it every time. I love that product. I will buy it until I die. Yeah, there's some staples that like you just will never give up on. That one doesn't work for me personally, but I'm an eye slut. Like, I, <laughs> I'm, I, There's not something that I could stick to and say, that is 100% my die, ride or die. Yeah. Um, but you're a little bit more dedicated than me. Yeah. 
it's really good to kind of talk about our skin. So, like, you know, when we are making recommendations and swearing by products, you have a little bit more idea of what we're like, what our true form is. Um, but if you have any products that you could recommend for us, uh, head on over to our Facebook page or our Facebook group, which is yes. on the go now. So that is a Beauty School Dropout Chat. And drop us a line and tell us what your recommendations are. Please. So as usual, uh, every episode I like to take my ass to class, <laughs> as otherwise known as Ellie's science class. Uh, what are we covering this week? Well, I'm actually starting this week with a pop quiz. That's not okay. You keep doing this to me. <laughs> okay, my question today is how much sunscreen do you think you need to apply to your face to get the full protection? Uh, I don't know, man. I just like squirt and go. <laughs> um, so... I don't think the um, the Cancer Council actually has, like, a direction for squirt and go. But what it says is that you need five mils, which is like a teaspoon, to cover your face, um, as well as your neck and your ears. Oh, that feels like a lot. It's always more than you think. <laughs> Does anyone use that much sunscreen? Like, maybe if you go to the beach, you might use that much, but, like, not under your makeup. Like, I feel like everyone gets really preachy about sunscreen, and I'm, like, I'm not here to do that. But I just want to break down, you know, the assumption that you can get adequate sun protection from your makeup. So we're talking SPF in makeup exactly. Yeah, like the stuff that you mostly find in foundation. So like a lot of people put that on their face and then they rely on that to give them protection. But you don't realise that you're not getting like the right amount of sunscreen. You'd have to apply so much sunscreen to meet that SPF. And you'd look like those influencers who do that, like a hundred layers challenge. Oh my God, that's such a look. (laughs) (laughs) Flashback. And you need to reapply it like five to 10 times per day to get the right amount of protection, like all over the makeup that you've already done. See, like what gets me is it just seems like way too much effort. Definitely. And if your makeup transfers, then you're losing that protection with it. So if you have SPF under your foundation, it's less likely to come off if you touch your face all the time like I do. And then, you know, people assume that if you've got like a moisturiser with a 10 SPF and a foundation with a 15 SPF, you can like mush them together and get a 25 SPF. But that doesn't work because you're only getting the protection of the highest one, so the 15. And then it's only if you're applying the right amount of it, which again is like layer face. This is really getting to my math skills. (laughs) Um, It's maths and science class. Oh, you did not say that. (laughs) But... Going back to it, sorry, like, so does 10 SPF even do anything to protect you? Not really. You need at least 15. And even then, if it's in makeup, so it's not likely to be broad spectrum. So the SPF that they put in makeup is only UVB. So that's the stuff that protects your skin from burning. But there's also UVA, which ages the skin, and that's usually not in SPF in makeup. So you end up having to pay heaps for retinol and microneedling and things like Fraxel to reverse the sun damage. I've seen products other than foundation make claims about SPF though. But there's absolutely no point in buying like a bronzer with SPF in it. Firstly, because it's such a light amount of powder on a small section of your face. And then like, why would you want to have less protection around your bronzer? It makes no sense. But then the one thing, the one thing that is good though, is like lip balm with SPF that actually does work. While we're on the topic of sun cream, can you tell me the difference between physical and chemical sunscreen? Because I have no fucking idea. So physical sunscreen, it like deflects, it's like a shield, it deflects the UV from your face. So it has ingredients like zinc in it and that's better for like sensitive oily skin. And then the chemical stuff, like it kind of absorbs the UV rays, but then scatters them and breaks them up before it reaches your skin. So what you want to use depends on your skin type. But the thing to remember is that chemical doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad product. 
So what are some good ones on the market that I can maybe get my head around? <laughs> so the Mecca to say face, you know that one? That's Yes, I have that one. Everyone has that that's one. That's my squirt and go. <laughs> good. I hope they put that on the marketing. <laughs> so that's a classic chemical one. So that's the one I use every day. And it's not greasy and it doesn't leave a white cast on your face. And then there's Ultraviolet. So that's an Australian brand with a lot of options for different skin types. And I just bought their new physical lean screen. Um, I'll take that for a test drive and then post findings on our socials, I think, and in the group. Uh, And then there's a few good like La Roche-Posay tinted products that you can get from the pharmacy. Okay, so the lesson here is don't go into the sun ever. Or your skin will die. Okay. No, I try not to anyway, but if you do, use the SPF under your makeup. And if you're going to be in the sun for hours, for the love of God, wear a hat. Joining us today is one of my favourite women. Hailing from the beaches of New South Wales' central coast, Chloe Brinkler has taken the beauty industry head-on, but in a fashion entirely her own. She's the founder and editor of Tomboy Beauty and my favourite expat New Yorker on Instagram. It can be hard to turn a passion into a full-time gig, and today we're going to talk about being the boss and going against the grain in a billion-dollar industry. Thanks for joining us, Chloe. Thanks for having me. I'm, like, currently just dusting off my shoulders with that introduction. We want to brag about our guests. I mean, I'm here for it, obviously. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, for our listeners, can you tell me a little bit about how you found yourself in the world of beauty? Here's the story of how I ended up in beauty. Uh, I have, through like fault or um, amazingness, I have always been very self-aware. Um, so in school, I knew that I was creative and was good at English, loved writing, loved reading and all the things. We did drama together. I did dance and art. So when it came to like graduating or whatever, it was like, let's play to your strengths. And the same thing when I was taking those HSC classes, I wasn't doing maths or science or any of those things. I was like, I know that I will succeed if I do the things in my wheelhouse. And I did really well at school. And when it came to kind of choosing the path, it was like, okay, if you want to be creative and you want to write and you also like fashion and magazines, maybe journalism is the way to go. And so I I did journalism and I was like, I'm going to work in magazines, but beauty was never, I didn't even know a beauty department of a magazine existed, which sounds silly, but it was always like, I'm going to be a fashion editor or a fashion writer or whatever. I remember specifically at a party, you told me that you were, you were, I think you were interning in beauty and I looked at you and I was like, because I wasn't into it then at the time either. And I was like, that's crazy. I can't picture you doing that. And you were like, no, I like it and I'm good at it. And I was like, all right. <laughs> well, look, I wasn't winning the Beauty Queen Awards at school <laughs> or now. <laughs> I basically knew that I wanted to write and I wanted to be creative. And when I started interning, I interned at a website, I interned at a PR agency and I interned at a magazine the whole way through my degree, which side note, beauty school dropout. I'm an actual school dropout. I never completed my degree. Oh, you're right at home here. <laughs> well, I, I always knew that if I wanted to work in magazines, I had to intern and I was using all the available resources to me. And I had a few friends that were working in beauty. One of my friends, a girl named Katie from the coast as well, was working at this website named Rescue that was well ahead of its time. Um, this was like 12 years ago, maybe, maybe longer. 
And she was like, oh, let me give, give you an introduction to the editor. And that was my first internship. And within a few weeks, I was writing part-time for them and, and getting paid for it, which was awesome. So I just kept putting all my uni subjects into like one and a half days in Newcastle. And, and then I had the other three days of the week to intern. So I started at Rescue, started writing for them. And then I started at a PR firm interning, which happened to specialize in beauty again. Um, and then uh, a magazine internship happened in the beauty department. And it was just like, whoa, this is weird. It was like a luck situation of sorts, like that everything happened in beauty because I think had it been in fashion, I would have ended up in like a fashion closet at a magazine and be sorting clothes for a year and not really learning anything. But in beauty, the especially in magazines, the teams are so much smaller and so you have a lot more responsibility. You're not only writing, you're also styling the beauty pages. So that kind of like spoke to the art direction, creative side of me and yeah, I think my first day of interning at that particular magazine, they sent me home with a bag of products and in it was things like St. Tropez bronzing beads and every mascara, mascara imaginable and skincare. And I just remember sitting on the train back from Redfern to the Central Coast being like, this is it. I'm going to be a beauty editor. That's so sweet, especially, you know, I feel like beauty can be such a steep learning curve as well. Like there's a lot to learn and a lot to take on. I mean, it's taken me years and years and years of reading and researching and trying things out. It would have been pretty full on on that day <laughs> to get your head around all the products. And I feel like I never will have my head around it. Like <laughs> if we look back on historic beauty references, I... I said I was never going to be the beauty queen of Terrigal High School 2005. I was, I, you know, burnt off all my hair by ironing it with an iron and probably wore fake tan that was seven shades too dark for me and all the things. Like it didn't come naturally by any means. But, but it's an art form. I feel like it is. It's trial and error and there, you know, there really are no wrong answers. You just kind of figure it out as you're going, like what works for you, uh, what your faux pas were. <laughs> oh, there's many. <laughs> yeah, and, and Facebook memories is like a time capsule of all your worst beauty mistakes held in one location. Beauty kind of came to us a little later in life, but is that maybe what inspired you to create Tomboy Beauty? If I'm really honest, I think the inspiration behind Tomboy Beauty, like as a business sort of entity was a little bit too prompt. Like one half of it was like, after interning, I worked in magazines. I was at InStyle as the beauty writer. I then worked at a full service agency where I was heading up their beauty department across everything from media by digital content, PR, all the things. I kind of learned the 360-degree business. And I realized that for that particular agency, I was bringing in a lot of business, making a lot of money. My ideas were being commercialized quite significantly and being kind of entrepreneurial in spirit. And I don't think, it, and, and also financially motivated. And that's an interesting thing to bring up. But I think so many times, like if you're creative and an artist or a writer or all the things, there's almost this like black spot against commercialism or making money. 
Well, it's hard to turn a passion into a a job and and get paid for your creativity as well. Well, I think as a woman, and I don't actually know where this came from, but, you know, maybe my parents just taught me to be like, you can do whatever you want to do and like do it to the best of your ability and like make make the cash if you can, as long as it's within your moral code and value set or whatever. But I've never been uncomfortable with saying that I am financially motivated as long as like the other aspects like people, planet are there as well. And I just, I, I knew that I could do good things um, around like the things I was passionate about and wanted to perpetuate nar- narratives about, but also, you know, be financially comfortable. It's like, it's not cool to be a struggling artist, be an artist that can also, and I'm not saying I'm an artist, but be someone that contributes creatively that also is a businesswoman and, and, you know, creates a a brand and a, and a business that is, you know, supports your lifestyle and, and beyond that as well. So that was one part of it. I wanted to do my own thing. And the other part of it was that being so, um, exposed to the beauty industry in different ways, like through traditional publishing and print magazines, and then through this full service agency. And then also seeing like so many of my entrepreneurial friends doing great things in digital, but no one actually doing it in an elevated way, like from an aesthetics perspective um, in the in the beauty space or, or telling stories that I actually wanted to read. I was like, that doesn't exist. Um, and one of the things that I struggled with working for those traditional print magazines was that it was always this like a celebration of, of celebrity and, and women that were just kind of like plugging certain things, but it wasn't like, I'm like, I wanted to know, like, what are you scared of? What, what drives you? Um, the, I just feel like traditionally was a lot of representation of, and I like, don't like this phrase, but the everyday woman, like the, the relatable woman. I felt like there was a lot of uh, even like fat phobia, like you wouldn't, you really struggle to see a curvy woman in traditional print beauty media. Oh, totally. I mean, that's sort of an age old problem in all media, but I think also specifically in in Australian media as well, there was like far less risks being taken. And it's sad that it's seen as a risk to show a real woman um, in in media. But this, and this is also like, it was like 12 years ago or whatever, when I'm like really referencing this, it kind of got more progressive as my career went on. But yeah, I just wanted, I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to create something through a lens that I creatively loved, but also just to appeal to women in the beauty space specifically. So in digital at the time, there was any blog or digital magazine or whatever was going on was like pink and and gaudy and there was red lipstick makes your teeth look whiter and, you know, all those cliches. And I wanted to create something that spoke to women that, you know, weren't trying to achieve whiter teeth or... You know, it, it didn't need to be solutions based. It, it, wanted, it was more about the stories that they were telling and and that needed to be told. And so, tell me about your vision for for Tomboy as a brand. How how did you kind of 
insert your own style into this creation? So when people hear tomboy, they think like a boisterous girl who dresses in men's clothing. And that is obviously a definition of tomboy. For me, tomboy is an attitude. So the the tomboy tagline is less is more. And that kind of plays into the minimalist aesthetic and also has some other nods to like sustainability and, and just investing in things that are are worthy, like not gimmick gimmick based, essentially. Not gimmick based, not trend based, not because someone told you to buy it, just like something that truly serves you. But then at the core of it was just women and men um, who go against the grain and who are progressive and fearless and irreverent and, you know, not afraid to say fuck you at the same time as talking about like their political position or their moral code or whatever. It was just felt like, like beauty doesn't need to be frivolous. It can be more layered and can sort of encompass all the things that, you know, I care about and that we talk about as girlfriends or whatever. I think it's very relatable in a sense. Like I think, you know, there's this idea that uh, if you're into beauty, you're a girly girl or uh, it, and all people that might identify as a tomboy themselves, like, well, I don't wear makeup, like, cause I'm a tomboy, you know, it's, I feel like it's a really relatable and approachable middle ground of like being okay with like getting dressed up, being okay with being dressed down and, and really appealing to everyone and not, not excluding anyone. Now rounding back to the more business side of things, um, obviously you've given us a really good background on how you got started what advice would you give to other women looking to start out in this business, uh, just based on your experience? Find your like-minded people. Like if you are wanting to be in the publishing industry, in the beauty industry, any industry, find the people that are like-minded, that are doing similar things, that have a similar vision or whatever, and are just kind, like be kind, obviously. When I look back, my first ever job was at InStyle Magazine and the people that helped me propel Tomboy Beauty were the people that were starting out with me at the same time, who are now some of the most respected people in Sydney and the world at what they do, whether they be stylists or photographers that I work with or whatever. But we all sort of had this like passion for telling stories that other people weren't telling or being creative in a way that was like perhaps not in the parameters of the titles that we were working for or producing content for or whatever. And, and also like extending that beyond just like a professional scape. Like it's great to just, just find the people that are, you know, going in the same direction as you. And, and in terms of finding them, I think, I think about the generation coming up now that are, are trying to break in or, or pursue things in similar fields. It's like, you guys have so many more resources that we do, than we did. Like you've got people on YouTube, you've got people on every social media platform imaginable that if you think you have like a similar thing going on, reach out, don't be competitive. So first thing would be find your people. Do you agree? Yeah, I, w- I would agree. Like, I mean, creating this podcast, you rely on the resources and the advice of your friends. And I had my best friends design the logo in, and her husband does our editing and, you know, and we're all like, we all have a very similar work ethic. And we, again, like you, we want to put out the best that we could possibly put out, but it's not possible without the support and like of each other, which is a pretty wholesome experience, I must say. So it's a pretty divisive industry that we've uh, found ourselves obsessed with. 
if you could change anything about it, what would it be? I mean, I almost want to ask you this. Me? Okay. I think what we're trying to do here uh, is make beauty more relatable, more approachable. I love talking to my friends about, you know, my makeup fuck ups or like, like, you know, what I've kind of learned along the way. And I love sharing that information, but in a way that's like got a sense of humor and it's a bit more casual. There's no expectations that you should look any type of way. I find that a lot of beauty media is, um, it's looks based. I think a lot of the women that uh, in the industry, uh, very good looking women that have worked in magazines had that, you know, really polished experience. And that's the, that's what they present to us anyway. I'm sure they're, they're not polished people. We're all deep down hot messes, but I think that I like the warts and all approach, but I like people to, to see me for who I am. And I, I think it gives me a level of humility to say, Oh my God, you know, my Botox messed up or, you know, I made the wrong decision about like going to the wrong injector for lip injections. Like the, like mistakes are relatable, but it's also a source of knowledge, right? If I can share that knowledge with people, I think, I think it's, it's just worth doing rather than trying to present an idea to people that it's perfect. And I got it right every time because nobody learns from that. If I could change it, I feel like honestly, and like tomboy beauty it was the going against the grain and what I wanted to see in the beauty industry and especially in the Australian space because that's when I created it. That's what I was comparing it to. But I was like, I'd never seen a trans girl featured. I'd never seen what well, I had seen but not enough of black girls, Indigenous girls, queer girls, like people telling stories that were not particularly glossy um, by the typical magazine standards. I think truly beauty at the end of the day and the industry, no one should be telling you what to do. I, I don't know. I think that's always been my stance. And even though I, you know, I have a brand called Tomboy Beauty and we're about celebrating less is more or whatever, I also have a full head of hair extensions and people are like, what? Yeah, I am natural, but I used to have really long hair and I loved it and it was part of my identity and I can't grow my hair that long anymore. And you know what? Getting my full head of hair extensions as my luxury indulgence is what makes me feel like me and like a, a great version of me. Without them, would I still be me? Yes, but I feel confident when I have my hair extensions and that doesn't mean I'm not a tomboy beauty girl. It makes me more of a tomboy beauty girl because it makes me feel good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been amazing to chat all things beauty with you. Uh, you can follow Chloe Brinklow at Chloe Brinklow on Instagram and also at Tomboy Beauty. Okay, we've been deep in the holy grails today talking about products that we like and I want to keep that vibe going. So Sam, what is your high praise this week? So my high praise goes out to an unusual product for me. Oh yeah. As you know, I'm not really big on the brow scene, mm-hmm. despite your best efforts. Despite my best efforts to get you to put some <laughs> shit on your eyebrows. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Look, little thing about me, I had a fucking monobrow in high school. <laughs> you can't tell. I well, I mean, it's a lot of work going yeah. into this, but the notion of adding to my eyebrow situation truly mortified me. Yep. So I was really, really late to the brow game to use like any kind of pencils or gels or anything like that. I dipped my toe in the water a little bit with some Benefit uh, mm-hmm. products, but it didn't really like blow my pants off. Um, but I actually discovered this product while scouring YouTube, just trying to buy shit that I don't need. Yeah, <laughs> but I actually found something that I do need. 
It is the Hourglass Brow Sculpting Pencil. Nice. Yeah, man, it is really nice. <laughs> it's like I finally get eyebrow pencils. Oh, like Hallelujah. I know. So, like, I went into the shop and the assistant showed me how to actually use it. It's really, really foolproof, I would say. Um, and it's totally changed my whole brow game. I'm obsessed. You finally had your come-to-Jesus moment on eyebrows. Absolutely, absolutely. But what about you? What's your high praise for this week? I wanted to keep the eyebrow thing going. So I usually go and get my eyebrows tinted like once a month, once once every two months. Um, but actually, first I have to tell you about my ridiculous Amazon Prime order the okay. other day. Ooh. So it was like Amazon Prime Day. Yeah. And are, I had you being, all these... are you being paid to say this? No. Okay, good. And you'll hear why in a second when I tell you what I bought. <laughs> so the first thing I wanted to try doing my own brows, so I bought brow dye. And I, yeah, I know. We'll see how that goes. It'll be a If you can segment. see my face right now, I'm like terrified for you, but go on. And I brought, um, I bought pimple patches. So I'm going to try this brow dye, but usually in between appointments, I'll use the Anastasia Dip Brow Eyebrow Gel. Okay. I like, I again, mortified at the notion of putting stuff on my <laughs> eyebrows. I've never gotten around to it, but it's very, very, very popular. Yeah. The normal dip brow is. So it's like you have to get a little, a little brush and kind of like paint your eyebrows on. But this one is so easy for lazy people like me. It's just like that in a gel. So I just like use the spoolie on my eyebrows and fluff them up and go. So that's probably my high praise for this week. If you are in between appointments and if you don't have the stuff to do at home or you're scared of doing it at home, which I should be, frankly, (laughs) but I'm living on the edge this week, (laughs) the the dip brow gel is really like a perfect five-second product. I love it. All right. Well, you can tune into our next episode and we find out how Ellie's <laughs> eyebrows had fared during an at-home dye job. Maybe you can give us a rundown. Please wish me luck. That's all for this episode of Beauty School Dropout. Head on over to our Instagram at beautyschooldropoutpod and give us a follow. You can also send us a message at hello at beautyschoolpod.com. Be kind, follow and subscribe. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.